episode three. Hello, um, here we're Tomeka Meadows and uh, a good friend of mine, and we are going to start talking about some ABA thing. So Tomeka's from Georgia, and her website I love ABA.com, one of the great websites. So Tomeka, can you tell us a, a little bit about yourself and how did you get in the field? Yes. Well, um, thank you for that lovely. Introduction, by the way. Um, I got into the field of ABA about 10 years ago. I was um, in undergrad, and there was a flyer on campus, and um, it had a picture of a little boy, and it said um, something like, um, help me learn language or teach me to talk or something like that. And it had a phone number, and I assumed that it was a babysitting job, and I was looking for work at the time, so I called the mom. And she had me come over to her house and meet her son. And she started telling me about this thing called ABA, which I had never heard of. And she told me that her son had autism, which I had never heard of. And um, I just thought it was really cool and fascinating. And I wanted to learn more. So I started working with him. And once I started working with him, um, I started getting jobs from p parents all over the place. It was a very small town. And there weren't a lot of people who knew how to do ABA. So I went from working with just that one kid to about five kids. And um, I started realizing that, okay, this isn't just some part-time job. Like, I really, really want to do this. And I really like this a lot. And um, I had a consultant who used to come in and train us. And I started telling her. And she would start telling me about, well, you know that this is like a career field. And you can, you know, do this all over the world. And I was like, no, I didn't know that. So she kind of helped me a lot with that and um yeah it just kind of went on from there and i started working with more and more kids and you know the rest is history i guess wow we need to thank her for putting up that fire <laughs> or oh, that one day you just happened to see it so otherwise we i mean you know that that mom you know i learned a lot working with her because she was the type of parent who was extremely knowledgeable i mean she had every book she had every article and so she would let me borrow things and I would read her books and um, she would tell me about different um, biomedical interventions they were trying and she was extremely knowledgeable so I learned a lot from her. That's what we need. We as BCBA, ABA therapists and we, there's so much we can do without the help from the parents and Absolutely. yes we need them and uh, let's move on to the next question. What is your skin message a quote that's ABA related or inspired my favorite ABA quote is um, John Watson and it's known as the 12 infants quote and I don't get up I'm gonna jumble this up a little bit because I don't know it by heart but he basically says that um, if you gave him 12 infants he could turn one into a beggar he could turn one into a lawyer um, and it's like this really arrogant statement about the power of nurture versus the power of nature but then at the end of the quote he says that you know I know that I'm you know making these ridiculous claims but that's what psychologists have been doing for years so it's really funny uh, but when I remember being in my early psychology courses 
And they would always just tell us the beginning of the quote. So I really did think that he was just like this super <laughs> egotistical person. I didn't, I didn't know that he was like trying to be like tongue in cheek. Um, but once I got into ABA, I really felt like, you know what? I get what he's saying. Like, you can take a child who has all of these behaviors going on and um, they were born with different difficulties and you can just kind of turn them into, you know, something that they're going to be able to interact with their environment and they're going to be able to have friends and they're going to be able to go to school. And so I just thought it was really cool. Um, so I just, I, it's on my blog somewhere because it's, it's one of my favorite quotes. So I really like that one. I love ABA.com. People, go check it out. <laughs> well, so when did you decide to get your BCBA or, you know, I told you, become a Jedi? And do you remember that day that you got your BCBA? Of course. It was not that long ago. Um, I made the decision to pursue certification a long time ago, actually. It was kind of a, a dream. And... Um, I was still in undergrad, so I was a long way away from it. And then I went through a period where me and ABA kind of broke up. I was mad at ABA um, because it was just really difficult to find ABA work. And um, I was kind of disappointed in that. And so I ended up going to grad school for psychology. And I thought I was going to go that route. And then ABA just kind of came back and was like, no, you're not just going to walk away from me like that. And uh, I found myself taking everything in my classes and transforming it so that it connected to ABA and driving my professors crazy because they would be talking about something that had nothing to do with that and I would make it have something to do with ABA. And everyone could clearly see that, you know, I was this ABA person and that's what I was supposed to be doing. So... I actually, um, after I finished grad school, I decided, you know what, I'm going to go for certification because this is what I want to do with my life. And um, I, I pursued it 100% and went after it and um, was certified last year. Congratulations. And you. you can take the girl out of ABA. Correct. Correct. But cannot. Yeah, I... I, I found that out. I really did not know that I would not be able to walk away from it. I had no idea at the time. But um, I became that annoying chick that won't stop talking about ABA and behavior. I became that person. Well, some people find it annoying, but, you know, <laughs> well, we're not here to listen to you talk. <laughs> they, they did. <laughs> no, that's how I feel. I, I Yeah, I don't think we ever talk about it, but you, I had a little... I wouldn't say breakout. I, I kind of lost faith in yeah. ABA at yeah. one point because I was trained in um, LOVA style and it's more structured DDT. And yes, some point I'm kind of like, there's going to be some other way to do this. I wish I had learned more about EO and other right. kinds of things. I went to floor time and some other thing. I just it always, always comes back to ABA is like, hey, it doesn't make sense when the kids all, you know, upset and throwing a tantrum and a tantrum. Exactly. And all you need is love and holding him. I'm like, come on, give me a break. There's got to be something else, right? Well, when you say something like that, it's gonna like, you just have to hold him tightly, make sure he's safe and all that. I'm like, ah, uh, no, that's yeah, don't buy that. I mean, that's just my opinion, but I no, I would agree with that. Thank you. And um, let's move on to the next one. Can you trace your ABA lineage? 
you know. I cannot. <laughs> Where do you go to college and, you know, and... Uh, well, something. I mean, I went to Georgia Southern uh, for my school psychology degree, and then I did my coursework um, through the Chicago School. Um, I did it online because, obviously, I don't live in Chicago. And it was um, a really good program. And then I received my supervision here in Atlanta from a place where I was working. Um, so, um, no, I, I cannot actually trace so I, my, my lineage. I would say that there's part Chicago and part whatever place you used to work with. But, you know, if you're going to link it to someone, you'll link it to, you know, some. Well, it. let's go with that. Like okay. it through John Watson or someone, you know. Yeah, but I'll pretend like we were friends. Well, we should, we should guess something like John Watson is my homeboy or something. You know, everyone's skin <laughs> is my homeboy. You, know, the old, you, you know. shouldn't say that someone's going to steal your t-shirt idea and run off with it. This copy, this this would be copyrighted. People. <laughs> oh, I, you're not going to make t-shirt. You're not going to make t-shirt. <laughs> this is Watson, and then we're going to put you in a Sherlock Holmes outfit or something, you know. Right. John, isn't, isn't John Watson the Sherlock Holmes uh, guy? Couldn't remember. Yes. I, I just know he's... Dear Watson, or something. I don't I know. know I just know it's Watson. I don't yeah, know. yeah. So uh, let's see. What was something that you consider your biggest failure as a BCB, or you know, when you're working in the field? I think that I would not say I have uh, failures. I would say that where I am now, I can look back on specific clients, very specific kiddos that come to mind. And if I knew then what I know now, I would have approached them so differently. And there's so many things that I would have done with them and I would have tried. Um, and I just didn't have the knowledge at the time. Like um, one kiddo that comes to mind, uh, he was about six. He had um, an autism diagnosis. And I remember being a very, very new therapist, and I just used to have the hardest time transitioning him into therapy because I would see him after school. So I would arrive, and he would just run, like, as soon as he saw me because he knew why I was there, and he would just run. And it was always so hard to get him out of that, okay, you're on the couch in your underwear eating ice cream, and here I come, and it's time for work. And I just, I didn't know about, you know, prompts and reinforcement and uh, a visual schedule and if then I mean just so many things I would have tried and that I just didn't know so I, I do think that there is you know a degree of looking back and saying wow if I had that client now oh my gosh it would be amazing um, and I think that's just part of this field because you're always learning and you're always getting better at what you do so as a result you look back and you wish that you could kind of get these kids all over again mm -hmm. with what you know now. But, of course, that's not possible. But it's just, you know, it, I, I think it just comes with a job because we're always getting better at what we do. Yes, and you did the best you could. So right, at the time, you for you know, with the information that I had, you know, and you get more information and you get better. That's why we have to go... Get out, see you, and whatever ongoing training we need, and keep learning new things. Because we're talking about lives here, we're talking about kids here. We need to do the best we could. Right. That's that's exactly right. That's what they deserve. You know. So let's talk about what I call 
the force is with me moment, your aha moment, the moment that you think like, hey, this is the thing that I should do. I got this. Right. So can you pinpoint that moment for me? I can. It's, um, gosh, this was years ago, and um, it's still extremely vivid in my memory. But I was, um, again, a very new, um, very green therapist, and I was working with this little boy. And um, I think it was the moment when, and I know this kind of might sound crazy, but it was the moment when I realized, like, wow, this stuff actually works. Um, because I was, um, I was the therapist that saw him on weekends. So I would see him on Saturday and Sunday and then Monday morning. So I was the one who always did his cold probe. And he had been stuck on a particular target for a very long time. He just was not getting it. And I was getting frustrated. He was frustrated. And I just kind of decided that weekend that, you know what? You're going to get this. Like, yeah, I, we're, we're going to get this. Like, I'm sorry. I'm so tired of asking you this target over and over again. And um, I just came up with all these different strategies to help him. I was using different materials. I was using 3D items. I was just really trying to think outside of the box. And um, eventually, I still remember, it was grapes. I, it was it was an expressive labeling program to label grapes. And I asked him, what is it? And he looked at me and he said, grapes. And I lost my mind. And I just started like yelling and clapping. And I think I scared him because <laughs> I was just so excited. Like, oh, my gosh, something just happened here. And um, I went on to some other programs and I came back because I kind of didn't believe that that really happened. And he, he looked at it. And he was like, grapes. I was like, oh, my God, I just taught you something. And um, he mastered the target that, that Monday. And I think that was the moment where I was like, okay, for one, this really works. This is, the okay, these people aren't making this up. This stuff works. And for two, I love that feeling of I just taught you something. Like, you didn't know it, and now you know it. I love that feeling. And I just kind of internally decided that, you know what, this is what I want to be doing. I want to be helping kids learn things that they, they're not getting. I want to be the one to go in there and help them get it. And that was, oh, I don't even know how, that was over nine years ago. It was a long time ago, but I still remember it very, very vividly. Wow. It, people, whoever you're listening to this, you should know you can get how excited you should yeah. know that feeling you should know that feeling that when you're trying to work with a client and a client gets it you guys are more excited sometimes i i bet you scare some of your clients because you're so oh, absolutely i was um i was working with this uh little boy once i used to go to preschool with him and they very reluctantly allowed me to come in let me start by saying that so they already were looking at me like why are you here and we were working on toilet training, and one day he peed in the potty, and we had been working on it for weeks. And I screamed, like I couldn't help it. I really did not mean to. And I just screamed, and I was like, oh my God, you peed in the potty. And like teachers came running from everywhere, like, what happened? Is he okay? And I was like, oh my gosh, he peed in the potty. And they looked at me like I was crazy. Like, what is wrong with you? And then they all just kind of went back to their classrooms. And I was like, I'm sorry, but that's exciting. Like, we've been working on this for a very long time. He's happy. I'm happy. I'm sorry you're not excited, but we're excited. Like, I just forgot where I was, and I just started yelling and screaming because I was so proud of him 
that he actually used the bathroom by himself. Like you can't, you can't help it. It just when you work on something that hard, you can't help but be excited. Mm-hmm. There are so many things that our client. Uh, there are things that our clients are working on that other people are taking it for granted, such as Absolutely. you know, using the party and stuff. So yes, it was a big step, and yes, it deserves a lot of credit. Yeah, I mean, I lost it. <laughs> I lost it. Well, I'm glad I wasn't there. <laughs> I think I just scared them. Like they probably thought he was bleeding or something. I don't know. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Could be fun. We can act it out one of these days. <laughs> um, so, what do you think is the most important concept or thing that a BCBA or an ABA student should learn and master? I think um, what I would value above content or skill competency or things like that, I would say humility. And I would say someone who's teachable. Well, actually, now that I say that, they're kind of connected. Because if you're not a humble person, you're probably not a teachable person. But I just feel like what we're doing is not... I know it's a business and I know it's a job. But at the same time, it's not a business. Like, you're, you're literally impacting the life of an individual. And you're, you're changing what is possible for them based on what you're teaching them. And that's a pretty heavy crown to wear, mm. and you need to appreciate it and be respectful of it. Um, and you need to treat the person with dignity and respect, you know, whether it's a two-year-old or a 30-year-old man. And I just feel like uh, there are individuals in this field who don't have a lot of humility, and it comes across. It's, it's something that's very easy to see, and it's, it's sad and it's unfortunate because you're not going to give the best care that you can if you're arrogant. And you're not going to be teachable if you're arrogant. You're going to feel like you know it all. So I just think that having um, having humility about yourself, understanding that what you're there to do really is help more than anything else. You're not there to, you know, kind of sit on the, the sidelines and tell people what to do as a BCBA. You're there to help them help this individual. And when you view it like that, you're going to be great at your job. You know, I mean, we always have more things. I have more things to learn. So I feel like the competencies, you can work on that. You can get where you need to be. But if you're not teachable, you're probably not going to get there because you're going to feel like you already know everything. I cannot agree more. I I think last night I was talking to a friend and he asked me some questions i said like you're gonna get you're gonna get you're gonna get it because you have heart right. and you don't have heart right. just don't do this uh hey right. i agree find another job seriously if you if if you're not someone who can be humble and who wants to learn please find something else to do because these kids deserve you know someone who's constantly trying to get better so you can constantly make their treatment better yes you want money one of the first thing in uh the program I went to, and they said, you know, if you just want to want a few dollars, go do something else. This is not exactly. the field for you. Business. Look at all these business people. You know, go start a new Facebook or something if you want to make a lot of money. Don't don't come into this field. So, what is your must? Uh, what am I trying to say? Okay, what is the most inspirational book that you have read in the past six months? ABA book or just book? Uh, it's all up to you. Okay. Well, I'll answer both, because 
I would say the most inspirational book I've ever read in my life would be the Bible. Um, but if you're asking about an ABA book, I would say um, many, many years ago, I read, um, I think it's called 10 Things Your Child with Autism Wishes You Knew. I think that's the title of that book. That was an amazing book. Um, the first time I read uh, the Catherine Maurice book, um, Let Me Hear Your Voice. Oh my gosh, that was an amazing book. I think the Behavioral Interventions for Young Children with Autism book is, I mean, I know it's like, I don't know, 12 years old, but that, that book just doesn't, it doesn't have an expiration date. I mean, I still refer parents to it because it has so much information if you are a parent and you're trying to do this and you don't have a team of professionals at your fingertips, you need that book because it, it just tells you so much about how to put a program together. Um, so I would say, I mean, I know I haven't read those in the last six months, but I would say those, as far as inspirational, those would be at the top of the list. Well, I will somehow, somewhat, eventually put the show notes together and... People can see those. Oh, that's um, Hello? Can you hear me? Oh, just... Yeah, we might have to uh, do, do the... Uh, I'll cut it out. Don't worry. Can, okay. Yeah, we'll put the show notes together and people can see them. Okay. Great. Great. Let's move on to the next question. Um, what is the biggest misunderstanding, misused term, procedure of ABA? I'm going to go ahead and say timeout. I know um, negative reinforcement is another one. Like, I, I watch TV like humans do, and it's used incorrectly all the time. But timeout is one that really bothers me because I walk into so many situations where that's all they're doing. Like, that's kind of, you ask them about the behaviors, and they describe the behaviors, and you're like, okay, so what have you tried? And they're like, oh, well, we do timeout. And then that's kind of the end of the sentence. And it's like, um, okay, well, and then you kind of have to go through the explanation of, for one, that's not a, your, your go-to strategy. It's actually a punishment. And for two, let me explain to you what that really is, you know. And, and I have yet to come across someone where once I explain what timeout really means, who is like, oh, I knew that. Like, they're, they're always like, really? Oh. <laughs> like, it's always this big surprise because people think that, you know, let's say that you're at church with your child and they start screaming, well, we should leave church, right? Okay, let's leave church. And it's like, no, 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 no. If they're in, a, if they're in an environment that's not reinforcing and you remove them from that environment, wherever you take them when you remove them becomes Disneyland. So the next time you're in that environment again, what's going to happen? I'm going to scream again because I don't want to be here. And you're going to take me out again because that's what we do. And that's how behaviors are born. So I feel like timeout is extremely overused, um, especially in classrooms. And it's very, very misunderstood. And people don't really know the rules, quote unquote. Everyone has their own made up rules for timeout that they teach each other. And, you know, when you ask them, well, who told you to do it that way? They don't really know. It's just, well, that's, you know, that's what we thought is how you, it's set, it's six minutes for like just all kinds of rules that don't come from anywhere. Um, so yeah, I kind of get very, I guess, 
emotional about time out because it's almost never done right. Well, we need to make another T-shirt then. Something about time out. The rules of time <laughs> out are the back of the shirt. T-shirt. Oh yeah, it's all about T-shirt. <laughs> well, well, guess what? You take your kid out of Disneyland. That's time out. What? You get you if you take your kids out of this Disneyland, that would be a time out. But putting yes. the kids out, that oh my gosh, could you imagine if your kids started acting up at Disneyland? And, oh man, well, imagine but you that like, behavior would stop immediately. Oh my, they would do anything to get back in. Right. Yeah. Well, but the parents. That's a really good example, Anson. Look at you. Yeah, but two hundred dollars to get in, and then you just walk right out. <laughs> well, you have to be very committed to the science. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Try that. You have to really be serious about getting this behavior under control. We will leave Disneyland. I don't care. We will oh, leave. That's another T-shirt. I put two. I pay two hundred dollars again to these Disneyland. Oh, I get as a time. I like it. Yeah. It's a T-shirt. T-shirt. T-shirt is all about all T-shirt. Of merchandise. Oh, oh yeah, with your name on it. As <laughs> I get the royalty. That's all. Um, exactly. Yeah. So let's go back to the books. What yes. is your must-have ABA book? Well, I obviously have to say the White Book, the, the Cooper, Heron, and uh, Howard Applied Behavior Analysis book is just amazing. I mean, it's a staple. I mean, I think I think what I like the most about it is because I, you know, which anyone who reads my blog would very quickly realize, I'm not big on jargon, and I'm not big on using the most technical language and um, I, I like to talk like a normal person and I like when people talk to me like I'm a normal person so I like books that anyone can read whether you're in your first ABA class or whether you've been certified for 12 years and you can understand it and I feel like the Cooper book has so much information but it's not hard to understand and digest and that's what I love about it the most because it makes it very accessible. Um, and it's just a great source. Of, I mean, they cover everything. It's just a great source of information about the field. That is a good book. And you saw it, my picture. I sleep with the book. so. Yeah, I mean, it really, yeah, it's a great book. And I haven't really come across, I mean, if anyone knows a book that's better, I'd love to hear about it. But I really haven't come across a textbook that's better, in my opinion. Okay, we'll move on to something else. Can you give us an example how you apply ABA in your everyday life? Oh my gosh, there's so many. I mean, ABA is just who I am now. Um, I think one that happens often sometimes is especially when I'm training someone, like when I'm training new staff where this is not what they do, this is not their career, this, you know, this is just like a part-time job for them. And I tend to treat them like I would treat a kiddo that I'm teaching because I'm teaching when I'm training. And so, you know, I'm using shaping, I'm using prompting, I'm, I'm giving them um, visual prompts, I'm holding up signs behind the kid's head to remind them of things. I'm using checklists. And, you know, when they show progress, I go crazy. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, you did awesome. And I actually had one, one girl say to me one time, like, don't ABA me. Like, I, I'm, not, I'm not a kid. Don't do that. And I was like, okay, I'm sorry, but I kind of can't turn it off. So I'm not trying to be offensive, but 
I just reinforce. It's what I do. So you're just going to have to deal with that because I'm going to clap and like say, yay, when you do something right, you know? So I think she felt like I was trying to be condescending and I really was not. It's just automatic at this point. So clearly that was not a reinforcer for her. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. The kids like it. It's That's... okay. You know, we, we found, we found something different for her. So yes, we found another reinforcer that she liked better. Well, someone's reinforcer is the other person's punisher. That's there you go. That's there our you thing. Go. It's not someone's treasure or someone's trash or someone's <laughs> reinforcer and someone's punisher. There you go. That, well, I think that's really what they were trying to say is that one person's reinforcement is another person's punishment. See, I'm trying to give you t-shirt ideas now. Like, I'm Thank helping you. business. You're welcome. I'm helping business. Oh, we should stop this t-shirt thing before people, like, turn <laughs> off and throw their thing away. Hey, what is your biggest concern of the field? I would say um, funding is probably the tip top of the list, um, funding sources and training, which again, I realize those two are kind of connected because if you don't really have a great funding source, it's going to be really hard to train people the way they need to be trained to be great at their job. Um, but my, most of my experiences have been with people who live in rural areas or they live outside of the country. And in both of those situations, it's, it's, not, it's not so simple to get funding for ABA. It, the, the, the family is paying out of pocket, and they don't have a lot of money. So what happens is instead of this child getting the treatment that they need, they get the treatment the family can afford, which is really horrible to see because you're going out to see a child twice a month, and you know for a fact that if this child was getting more therapy – they would be growing in leaps and bounds. And it's just, it's very unfortunate and it's very sad as a professional to work in a situation like that because it's like, well, you know, well, what are they going to do? Like they don't, they can't afford it. What are they going to do? There, there are no funding sources where they live. There, no one's going to pay for therapy. And, and you just, you, you really, you wish you had something to tell them. Like you wish, you know, that you knew about some magical funding theory, but we don't. And, um, it's just sad to be in those type of situations and to see kids barely make progress when they could be flying through programs because they're just not getting enough therapy. So that's just sad, but yeah, it is. It's it, it it is, and the training goes hand in hand with it because even when you're providing the parent training or you're you're helping them train, you know, therapists that they've managed to hire. If you're not there on a regular basis, you still really can't give that person what they need. You know, if I see you this week and then I'm not coming back until next month, there's only so much information I can give you. Like, I, I can't just download ABA into your brain. You know, it's too massive. So I have to give you what you can handle and be able to process. And, you know, it's just, it's very unfortunate. I mean, I... I would love to see a time when, you know, getting treatment for ABA is just a given. And it's just, you know, this kid has autism. Okay, here's your funding amount. Go get your ABA. Because we know that it's what works. And we know that the autism rates are off the charts. So I'm just waiting for, you know, the two to be put together. And everyone to have access to this treatment. Not just some people. Mm -hmm. 
uh, one of my graduate school professors, she actually said that problems and solutions to education, money and politics, you put Absolutely. it everywhere. It's always these two words, and hopefully somehow we can work things out and give the kids what they deserve. Absolutely, yeah. And see them reach the potential that you know they have, but it's just the the intensity is not there. I used to, um, I had a supervisor who would compare ABA to like, um, uh, like a prescription or something. And um, he used to use that to teach therapists who kind of didn't get, you know, when you're canceling twice a week, you know, because you want to hang out with your boyfriend and you don't understand why that's so horrible. And he would say to them, you know, what if your doctor told you take four pills a week to get rid of this infection and you took two? What would happen? And it's like when you think about it like that, we know the prescription that's the best to get the best results. So if a family can only afford to do half of that prescription, we kind of know what's going to happen. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. you're, you're not as likely to get where you want to get. And it's just, you know, if I only take half of my prescription, I'm probably not going to get better the way I could get better. Or I might not get better at all, depending on what I have, you know. So it's just I, I really liked the way he would explain that to new therapists to help them understand when, when you have on your schedule to be at the house four days a week, you need to be at the house four days a week for two hours a day because this is this child's treatment. Like, it's, it's serious. We need you to show up when you're supposed to show up. That is one great analogy, and I'm going to steal it. That is so not mine. So, <laughs> no, that, that, I cannot take credit for that. But, but, but that's, yeah, just being punch or be going there for right. being a professional taking right. care of you know the, the, your, your session is so important to it is. it is the client we just have to do it i have experienced that you know some people miss it it's just like that i wish i wish i knew that i could have said <laughs> that to people i mean that's again it goes back to training you know when i was doing this field and i was working directly for families and um, they could only afford to have our supervisor come down, like, you know, every quarter or something. No one was telling me stuff like that. Like, I, I didn't understand that I'm literally applying a treatment method to this child. Like, I'm like a physician giving them their pill. It's important that I'm here and I'm on time and I stay the whole session. It's really important. And I feel like new therapists need to know that. And that's part of training them is getting them to understand, like, this isn't just some part-time job. This is your, you are providing treatment to a child who needs it. And it's really important that you understand how critical your job is. And, you know, if you can't take on that responsibility, please find something else to do, because it's really important. So, continue with in this topic, what is your biggest fear as uh, BCBA or I call Jedi? Um, I don't think I really focus on fears to be able to say what's my biggest fear, but I think that if I were to say what's something that concerns me, um, it would just be, I feel like living up to the title, I guess, because um, it's kind of like if you're a BCBA and you're working at 
an extremely established organization who has this great reputation and then you start working there, you feel this pressure to live up to the reputation of where you work. And I think when you have those letters behind your name and, you know, people introduce you as, oh, this is Tamika Meadows, she's a behavior analyst, you really feel like I need to live up to those letters and I need to um, really carry this field well because wherever I go, I'm representing the field. You know, if I go to um, an island in West Indies to give a seminar on autism and they have no idea what a BCBA is, well, I am now their idea of what a BCBA is because they've never met one before. So when they meet me, they're going to associate me with those, those, uh, those, those letters. You know what I mean? So I just feel like I, I feel like it's very important that I take my job seriously and um, I'm really giving people a good impression of what this is and what ABA is and what it's about and what it means to be a behavior analyst. Wow. That is true. Never thought of it that way. Now I need to put on a suit and a tie every time I go out. <laughs> but yes, I do agree that we... At least when we are putting on the BCBA hat, we're doing therapy, we're putting on the ABA hat, we need to be professional. We need Absolutely. to do the best we can. Absolutely. Because it's, you know, you're, you're, whether, you know, whether you want to or not, like you're causing people to form opinions about the field and about, um, you know, a behavior analyst based on you. So they're forming opinions based on their opinions of you. So, you know, it's, I just, I just feel, um, a pressure that I, I put on myself to really make sure I'm representing it well. Cool. So what is the best advice you had received? <laughs> um, let me think. What is the best advice I have received? I don't know if this qualifies. This is this is a little bit of a stretch because it wasn't exactly advice. But um, I think I mentioned her a little bit earlier. The very first consultant I ever worked under, I remember I used to talk to her about my desire to be in the field. And um, she would always take time out of the training to kind of talk to me and see how I was doing. And... Um, I would ask her all these questions about her job and I was just so fascinated by her job. And I said to her at one point, I said, I'm going to be doing what you're doing one day. And she was just, you know, she just kind of smiled and she was like, okay. And I was like, no, I'm serious. Like I'm going to be doing what you're doing one day. And she was like, you know what? I believe you. And that just kind of always stayed in the back of my mind as I was, you know, going on through school and classes and all of these other things. And it just stuck with me because I so looked up to her as a person in the field, as someone who is knowledgeable, as someone who is experienced. And I really, I don't know why, but she just always would take time to let me know that she saw me improving. She saw me getting better. Like she saw my passion for it. And, you know, when I would go through really hard classes or, you know, I would be studying and it would seem so impossible, I would just kind of think about that. And I would think about how, you know, I made a decision a long time ago that this is what I want. So if this is what I want, then, you know, you got to be willing to do what it takes to get there. So it was really um, helpful for me. And, you know, because she could have, you know, she could have laughed me off. She could she could have responded anyway. And she was just like, I believe you. 
So, you know, just just having when you're that new to the field and someone with that much experience says, yeah, I think you could do this. It means a lot. And it really sticks with you. It sure did. And you know what? This is great to have a mentor like this and, you know, take you under their wing and absolutely protect you and help you grow. So, well, this person set your EO on fire. See, there you go. (laughs) It's all about the EO. Okay. It really is. <laughs> Everything's about the EO. That's what we talk about. EO, AO, MO is always the case. Um, <laughs> gonna throw you a curveball right now. Oh, no. Since we're oh, winding up. Oh, dear. And um, imagine you wake up tomorrow. All your clients' population is gone. But right. you still have all your ABA knowledge. All what would you do? All your well, superpower. Yes, all my superpowers. Um. Well, I kind of have to explain my philosophy for my answer to make sense, but I don't think ABA is an autism thing. I used to view it that way when I was new in the field, but I've learned over time that that's not the case. Like, it's just, it, 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 it applies to all areas of life. It applies to all kinds of disabilities. It applies to individuals who don't have disabilities. So I feel like if that were the case, I would still just be able to teach kids. And just, you know, whatever that they're not getting, help them get it. Um, I, I think ABA is much bigger than a treatment method for kids with autism. And I have used it for all kinds of different issues and concerns. I mean, I was a um, preschool teacher for a while. And I used to use ABA to get my kids to nap because they never wanted to nap. So... You know, I had systems of reinforcement, and I created a routine before we, we napped. And I, you know, there was a consequence. If you get up off your off your mat, you know, I'm not going to cuddle you. I'm not going to pick you up. I'm going to take you right back, and I'm going to lay you down. So they started napping. Um, so I, I don't think that it's autism specific. I think it's just understanding learning, understanding behavior, and knowing how to manipulate the two to reach a certain consequence. That's really all it is. So you're going to have a superhero school. Yeah, I mean, I I do. I want to open an early intervention school for kids with autism. I've always wanted to do that. So if someone figured out tomorrow that, oh, if you just do this, autism goes away, I'd still open my school. It would just be, you know, for any kid, really, who's having difficulty learning. We look forward to you, Principal Meadows. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god. Okay, well, I guess that's about it. So, uh, is there any last piece of advice? And can you tell us where we can find you? Um, well, let's see. Advice. I would just say that for people who are new to the field or they think this is something that they might be interested in, but they're not really sure, it's an amazing job. It really is. I mean, there's parts of the job that are not so amazing, but the job itself is like the best job in the world. And if you feel that way, then this is what you're supposed to be doing. I think that if you have to drag yourself to go see your kids and when Monday rolls around, you're like, oh, gosh, I have to go see four kids today. This probably is not what you should be doing if that's the way you feel. I think that regardless of, you know, the not so glamorous things about what I do, when I go to see my kids and, you know, I haven't seen them in a while and 
when they run to the door to greet me, it's like the best thing in the world. So if you feel that way, then you're in the right job. Um, and as far as where you can find me, my blog is iloveaba.com, and I do respond to emails. Um, it, it shows where to contact me on my blog. There's also a link to my private site, which is for my consulting services. Um, so whether you just want to learn about ABA or whether you're interested in consulting or supervision, either way, I love ABA.com is how to find me. Great. Remember, guys, she does provide supervision. So if you have any questions, just go contact her. That's how I find her. I've, that's how we started, actually. So she's nice. She's a nice person. <laughs> she's a friendly person. Go talk to her. Go say hi. And I'm so friendly. Yeah. yeah she, wow. That's <laughs> Yes, she is. So uh, that's all, folks. So uh, hopefully we'll have another episode. Thank you again, Tamika. Thank, Thank you for you. being our guest. Uh, that's it. Out. on Tameka. She's still working, traveling, and accepting consultation clients. And that's about it. And Georgia, chat.